Welcome to Brutal Ends, your weekly dose of mystery, murder, and madness. This week's episode, we are talking about the Italian soap maker Leonardo Canciulli. But before we get to that, I want to say thank you to my first patrons on Patreon, Gemma, Mark, Michaela, and Abel. Thank you guys for your support. You're making all the difference in the world. If you'd like to become a patron, stop by and check out the page at patreon.com forward slash brutal ends. Thanks. One more thing. I've recently started experimenting with videos for Brutal Ends, so now each of the upcoming episodes will be available on YouTube as well. It's the same great show, but enhanced with images, and even news clips or video footage when possible. So, if you're curious for a little more and wonder what these folks look like, be sure to check out my YouTube channel. And now, The Italian Soap Maker. Leonardo Canciulli was a bitter and impoverished woman who suffered great loss in her life, including several children. Resultantly, she was fiercely protective of her four remaining children and would do anything to keep them safe, including human sacrifice. And she would follow through on just that. During the early years of World War II, Leonardo Canciulli would lure three women into her shop where she would kill them with a hatchet, dismember their bodies, then make them into soap and tea cakes. This is her story. Leonardo Canciulli was born in Montella di Avellino on November 14, 1893. She was born into poverty. Her young mother, Amelia di Nolfi, had gotten pregnant as a result of rape. Amelia was then forced to marry her rapist, Mariano Canciulli. Fortunately or unfortunately for both Amelia and little Leonardo, Mariano died when Leonardo was still very young. Her mother would remarry, but was never able to provide stability or much affection for her daughter. Before Leonardo reached her mid-teens, due to her miserable life circumstances, she even attempted suicide twice. Her parents were strict, and this perhaps in some degree accounted for her unhappiness. At the age of 20, she married against her parents' wishes. She married a registry office clerk named Raphael Pansardi. Her parents had planned for her to marry another man, and her mother was so angered by this act of disobedience that she cursed the marriage when she found out. It was a sad and turbulent way to begin a marriage. Shortly after marrying, Leonardo and Raphael moved to Lariano in Alta Imperinia. It was in Alta Imperinia that Leonardo would be arrested for fraud and sent to prison for a short stint. After her release, she and her husband would live in the town for a few short years. It was destroyed in an earthquake in 1930. The quake cost the small family nearly everything and they had to move. At this time, they moved to Correggio near Naples. It was here that Leonardo opened a small shop. She sold trinkets and housewares. She also began offering her services to the local women as a part-time fortune teller. She would become known as a very kind woman and was well-liked by her neighbors. She was also a devoted mother and was respected for her dedication to her children. Leonardo's role as mother was, as much of her life had been, marked by loss. She had 17 pregnancies. Three of them ended in miscarriage, and 10 of her children died while still very young. Out of 17 pregnancies, only four children were to survive to adulthood. 
Leonarda doted on them and was fiercely protective, particularly of her eldest son, Giuseppe. While still a teenager, Leonarda had developed a fascination with the occult. Around this time, she visited two particular gypsy women fortune-tellers. The first told her that she would marry and have children, but that all of her children would die. The second was a palm reader. This woman gave her another alarming prediction. The woman said that in Leonardo's right hand, she saw prison, and in the left, criminal asylum. Leonardo was very superstitious and took these messages seriously. With each failed pregnancy and lost child, the words of the fortune tellers rang clear in her head, and they fueled her protectiveness of the surviving children even further. Then war came. In 1939, Mussolini instituted a draft, and young men were being conscripted into military service. Terrified for her son's safety, she turned again to the occult. In the years since her first consultations with the fortune-tellers, she had become something of a mystic herself. Now, she turned her skills toward active protection rather than consultation. She came to the conclusion that in order to protect her children from dying in war, she must offer human sacrifices in exchange for each of their lives. Four children, four sacrifices. The first sacrifice chosen by Leonardo was a 50-year-old spinster named Faustina Seti. Seti had come to Leonardo as a fortune teller and matchmaker. The elderly lady had not yet given up on the idea of settling down with a nice husband and hoped that Leonardo could help her to make this happen. Leonardo told Seti that she knew of an eligible man in a nearby village and that she would make the necessary arrangements. Seti was instructed to write several postcards explaining to her family her marriage plans and telling them that she was fine. Seti was also cautioned by the mystic not to tell anyone about her plans. On the fateful day, Faustina Seti came to Leonardo's shop, paid the fee of 30,000 lira, and hoped for a happy marriage. Leonardo offered the older woman a glass of celebratory wine which had been drugged. After Seti was unconscious, Leonardo killed her with a hatchet and chopped her body into nine pieces. In a statement she gave to police later, she explained how she disposed of the body. She said, I threw the pieces into a pot, added several kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it, and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. One sacrifice complete and one child saved, Leonardo set her sights on the next unwitting victim, Francesca Sovi. Leonardo told Sovi that she'd found the woman a job with a girls' school in Piazenza. Again, Leonardo convinced her victim to keep the prospect secret and to write letters to her family that would be mailed later. On September 5, 1940, 
Francesca Sovi fell by the same methods as Leonardo's previous victim. Her body, too, was dismembered and dissolved in caustic acid to make soap. Francesca's life savings of 3,000 lira was added to the 30,000 taken from Faustina. With the second murder complete and Leonardo free from all suspicion, she moved in for the third kill. Virginia Cacioppo had been a professional opera singer in Milan. As such, she was quite a bit more wealthy than Leonardo's previous victims. At the time of her fatal encounter with the fortune teller, she was carrying 50,000 lira in cash and jewelry. Virginia was lured with the promise of Leonardo's having found her a job with a mysterious impresario. It was to be a significant opportunity for the singer. The unwitting soprano was dispatched on September 30, 1940, in the same manner as the other women. She was plied with poisoned wine, her body dismembered with an axe, and subsequently made into soap and tea cakes. The soaps made of Virginia were even embellished with fine-smelling cologne to make it that much more appealing to Leonardo's customers and neighbors. Before Leonardo was able to locate her fourth human sacrifice, suspicion began to envelop her. Virginia Cacioppo's sister-in-law had begun looking into the singer's disappearance. After asking around and tracing her steps, the sister-in-law discovered that Virginia had last been seen entering Leonardo's shop. The woman wasted no time in notifying the police, who arrested Leonardo for murder. While being questioned, she was candid and frank. She admitted readily to the murders and explained the reasons behind them. She even went so far as to describe in detail what happened to Virginia. She said, She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. With World War II still underway, the prosecuting of a murder trial was low priority, and Leonardo did not stand trial until 1946. Her son Giuseppe was originally arrested along with Leonardo, but given her confession and detailed descriptions of the events, he was soon released. The details of her ghoulish murders and processing of the bodies was quick to gain media attention for the trial, during which Leonardo was unrepentant and even corrected the prosecuting attorney during her testimony. She wanted to make sure details were being recorded accurately and that it be noted that she had been a good Italian by giving the copper ladle that she had used to skim the fat to her country, which was in desperate need of metal during the final days of the war. On the stand, she even explained, without any trace of regret or confusion, her reasons for committing the murders. She held fast to her assertions that the murders were committed as acts of human sacrifice to protect her children, Giuseppe in particular. She was found guilty of murder and sentenced to 30 years in prison and three in a criminal asylum. While in prison, she wrote her memoirs, Confessions of a Bitter Soul. She never expressed remorse for her actions and continued to insist that she never killed for greed, but only to protect her children. She died of a stroke on October 15, 1970, in the Women's Criminal Asylum in Pazuli. 
That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode about the Italian soap maker Leonardo Canciulli. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and feel free to leave a comment as it helps others find us more easily. Help spread the word by liking us on Facebook and Twitter, or subscribe on YouTube and Patreon. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or an idea for a podcast, please send a message on Facebook. Until next time.